0: Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of Pop Culture Double Date. Um, this week, the gang, Gerald, Anaja, Maggie and Darren, we went to see Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um, say hello everybody first.
1: Hi. Hello. Hello everybody first. So,
0: so yeah, we went to see Godzilla King of the Monsters. This is going to be a full spoilers podcast. Not that it really matters with this film, but you've been warned. It's a full spoilers podcast. Um, yeah, so this was a really interesting film. It was definitely... Let me put it this way. This, this is a film where I, I haven't had a film-going experience like this for quite a while. I have to say, right? A film in which I was sitting there, like, a film in which that really made me reflect on life, right? (laughs) Reflect on my life choices. What I was doing sitting in that cinema for, like, two or three hours, wasting my life away, right? (laughs) What I was doing, what sort of monster I could be forcing my (laughs) friends to watch this film. So, yeah, in some ways, it was quite... It was quite a self-reflective film, but I'll let someone else start talking about this film because I'll be honest, I thought this was not a very good film and I'm going to say that we will probably swear today. So I'm sorry if there are people listening out there who don't like profanity, but there is a good chance today that we're going to swear and honestly, I thought this was a piece of shit. Who's next?
2: I mean, the monsters were good, and I think they put forward a compelling performance. Their acting was exquisite. The dialogue between the monsters was fantastic. The humans were a massive letdown.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jerry, what what did you
1: think of this film? (laughs) I thought it was a vast improvement on the first Godzilla, (laughs) and still a piece of shit.
0: (laughs) Really? Wow, okay. So there is is a point of conflict. (laughs) Yeah, okay, go, go,
1: go. I I thought the first Godzilla was an absolute disaster. I have almost no recollection of it besides recalling that I... thought that it was a catastrophically bad film there was barely any godzilla in it as you recall I i I remember walking out of the cinema and making a joke to anager or maybe posting it on facebook that there was so little godzilla in that movie that calling it godzilla would have been equivalent to calling the dark knight alfred it was that much of a waste of time i recall that elizabeth olsen was in it i recall that there was a scene in which Godzilla and the first of the Mutos got into a fight in Honolulu Airport, but somehow, for some strange reason, the filmmakers decided to cut away from it, so we didn't know how that fight resolved, and we didn't see Godzilla again until like the final 10 or 15 minutes of So I recall being completely and utterly jipped by that piece of shit movie. And I had heard on the grapevine that this movie was a disaster, a flaming turd of the highest order. And I must say, um, it wasn't quite the flaming turd I was expecting. Um, It wasn't great by any measure. I thought, you know, that this movie wasted a relatively talented cast. I feel sorry for Kyle Chandler because Kyle Chandler is best suited to playing bureaucrats as he did in... Um, first man, as he did in Argo. And he's never particularly convinced me as an action hero, which is not to say that he's not a good a good actor, he's a very fine actor, but the notion of Carl Chandler, usually a bureaucrat playing action hero, and a grizzled cynical one at that, was completely off-key to um, me. And Vera, a very, very fine actress, playing, I think, quite possible the worst role in her career, in her, in her otherwise relatively storied career, because the motivations of her character were completely and utterly bizarre. And the fact that some someone, a scientist, could possibly hatch up a scheme to wipe out half if not most of humanity, for the purpose of restoring balance to the planet in this way, is completely hard-cocked, in my view. She is and, not. She's no Thanos. She is
0: no Thanos, right?
1: Like <laughs> <laughs> she, is, she, like she, she, aspires towards Thanosdom, but she doesn't quite get there. Um, her daughter, like uh, uh, the problem. One of the problems with these movies is that the filmmakers have des- decided that they are going they are not going to wear the criticism that this movie ignores the human element. So what they do is they create this very tight-knit or very small group of human characters in the midst of this sort of grand, almost cosmic scale of destruction and conflict between the monsters. And so the movie doesn't seem to care very much for the fact almost, I think in this movie, almost 50% of humanity has been wiped out in the brief time that Monster Zero, or Kidora has been unleashed on the planet. And I would go so far as to say that even if it's only implied and I'm not shown, there is a far higher death toll in this movie than there was even in the last 20 minutes of Man of Steel. And that's really saying something. This this achieves off-screen Zack Snyder levels of carnage and is completely uninterested in that fact. Instead, focuses on this very small group of characters and, um, and their attempt to defeat um, Monster Zero. And I've got to say that's really problematic. It was the same problem in the first film where you focus on this really tight group of characters and they seem to do everything. And the movie seemed to care only for them, notwithstanding that all around them, people were dying horrible deaths. And the movie just never gave a shit about that. So I found that sort of odd. You know, um, Sally Hawkins' character, for instance, dies very quickly in the ice in this movie, in the first act of the movie, and it's a horrible death, and, and, and everyone forgets that she's died five minutes later. It's it's incredible, the, the callousness of this film. Um, the extent to which this film is completely uninterested in the fate of anyone but about five, three, four or five people. Yes. To such an extent that... Can anyone answer me this question? What happened to Ty, Tywin Lannister at the end of this movie? He just disappeared. He just disappeared. Exactly, because they didn't, didn't care. care. They didn't care. He was just like some
0: dude, like. I, I absolutely agree with you, right? They paint this global disaster, yet it seems that the only people involved are like five or six people, and those five or six people literally do everything, right? Like they literally yeah. do everything. These scientists are going on a nuclear sub to shoot. A nuclear weapon at Godzilla? These scientists are doing all the ground missions with the soldiers. What is going on in this film? It is just so dumb anyway. And I think
1: <laughs> and I think the, the the absence of care about like humanity in general is reflected also in and perhaps Darren you know this better than I do. I, I've al- I might be mistaken here, but I've always had the understanding or impression that Godzilla in at least the Japanese original, in the original kaiju movies, was a, a sort of mutant product of um, the dropping of the atom bomb. And so when he comes out of the ocean to terrorise Tokyo or whatever, uh, that is really a cautionary tale about the horrors of the nuclear age. Whereas this movie is extraordinarily cavalier. About nuclear warfare, so there is the there is the 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 oxygen destroyer, which won all all life within a two kilometer radius. So Do you know the origin? And there is the, the ox- use of a nuclear. Do you know the no, origin of the oxygen destroyer? That was that was
0: also a travesty, no, right? Because the oxygen destroyer was actually from the original Godzilla film. The original Godzilla film was absolutely an ag- allegory, right? It was not really a kaiju film. Like, I've sat through that original Godzilla film. It was a film made in another, another time. It was an allegory. It's also very slow-moving, and I may have fallen asleep at one point. <laughs> during it. But,
1: yeah.
0: like, but but the Oxygen Destroyer... The thing
1: is, there's a real sort of cavalier quality about this movie in relation to the use of... Um... Weapons of mass destruction. So there's the oxygen destroyer, which which is just lobbed over into the the Gulf Coast of Mexico because they can. And there is also the use of the nuclear weapon to kill, uh, not to kill, but not rather to, kill, to, to give him uh, life. revive and to feed Godzilla. <laughs> what the Yeah, to hell? give him life. But what like, the like hell? This, uh, I, that? That is just this. This is the first. This is the first movie I've ever watched. That is in th- of dropping a nuclear payload uh, because it gives life to Godzilla, and I just thought I just found that so weirdly cavalier. So you've got you've got this movie that's that's depicted, albeit off screen, the wiping out of bajillions of people, and that is completely sort of shrug emoji about letting loose weapons of mass destruction. can, and, can, we, can we just have and, a quick? It, it tells us we have to care about these five people.
0: Jerry, can yep. we can we just have a quick... You know, that scene that you're talking about, where they love the nuclear weapon at Godzilla to revive him, that scene, like, is symptomatic. Well, it, it, it's like this condensation of everything that is wrong with this film, right? Because if you think about it... There are all these plot points that actually, specifically for that plot beat, there's all these lines that kind of don't even end up anywhere. Remember when, like, Ken Watanabe first suggests the idea? He's like, we need all the nuclear weapons we can get our hands on. And then, like, they only use one nuclear warhead, so what was the point of all these other nuclear warheads, apparently, that they were going to bring along? And then, specifically to deliver the nuclear warhead, Ken Watanabe, a guy who is he's just a scientist, he's not a soldier, he's not, like, got superhuman... Like, he doesn't have, like, particular strength or anything like that. He's the guy who decides to march out there and, like, give the bomb to Godzilla. It was just such a dumb... like. Yeah, it, it was so this? dumb. And, um, then, and,
1: and then... it was so so racist as well, because <laughs> there had to be a white guy standing as the hero at the end of the movie. right? <laughs> so Kyle Chandler couldn't volunteer to take the bomb to Godzilla, because... Tal-chan, this has got to be alive at the end of the movie, right? Whereas Ken Watanabe has to sacrifice himself, and it was just so ridiculous. There were so many other people who could have gone in, but it has to be it has to be the underqualified, nerdy scientist guy who can't speak English properly who has to go in to to revive Godzilla by blowing himself up. But, I mean, but it's I, only it, because it's just but so frustrating.
0: But there's literally, like as you said, there's literally only five people in the world who could have done that job. Apparently. According to this film, right? Four of them were, were scientists
1: who were not even like what? This is like a crazy film. Yeah, and and, and this sort of condescending nods to diversity to in this movie, like 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 having Jung Yi in it for no real reason, and having her play two characters. Were you aware that Jung Yi played two characters in this movie? Max, Max was she, aware
0: of this. I think Max. She
1: not only plays like the one who hangs out with the main crew, she plays the random Zhang Ziyi character who watches Mothra being born leaving um, its cocoon. Um, And I reckon people would have sat in the cinema completely confused about that, even though they showed subsequently photographs of um, Zhang Ziyi and her twin, um, uh, you know, sort of as she's she's going through her childhood memories. So, Mm. look, this movie... I think was largely at the human level a complete mess because it was so uninterested in the in the magnitude of the crisis that it was portraying and unleashing and almost gleefully celebrating, while while focusing entirely on the fate of, of you know three, four, or five really pretty uninteresting people, yeah, and that really detracted from some from moments of really quite impressive spectacle. I mean, when 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 Monster Zero first had fights with um, Godzilla in Antarctica, that's impressive. That re- really was impressive. But because there wasn't a city in sight, uh, we didn't have to sort of imagine the scale of the carnage and um, toll of human life that was involved in, in them fighting against each other. Unlike the final, um, the final fight in Boston. Now, can I just say there are there are some who would who would suggest that monsters laying waste to Boston. Is an improvement. Oh. <laughs> um, <There we> <laughs> I, I'm not necessarily going to disagree with them. Foster's sure. lane waste at Fenway Park might be an improvement, but I mean, it was so cacophonous, it was so long, it was so focused on the on the on the fate of this boring family that that final act was just a complete write off. I think, I, I, yeah. So whilst this movie wasn't quite the absolute catastrophe that I was. Uh, led to believe that it was, Um, it sure was no masterpiece either. Yeah, okay. Mags, what do you think?
3: Well, firstly, thank you for dragging me to watch the movie with you,
0: Darren. Yes, I know. The the real story is that I am the monster. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I understand. I understand. It was an allegory.
3: (laughs) I accept your apology. I accept your apology. Um, It was a terrible movie, I actually, surprisingly, preferred the first one over this one. (laughs) Um, I found the action sequences, um, by and large, incoherent and difficult to understand, much like I found the human characters and the relationships. I started to laugh when the submarine found this, like, none none of the scenes matched one another or had a relationship to one another. So when the submarine, for example, was going through underwater and found this ancient city with this ancient civilization who had actually detailed all of the um, kind of births of the various titans and Godzilla's relationship to them, that seemed to completely contradict Zhang Ziyi's character, who had said before that there was no written record of anything. Um, that just made no sense to me. And then this whole sort of focus on having to get out of the radius of Godzilla at the end, you know, who was about to go off, whereas in every point in time, every single um, monster is meant to be emitting some kind of radioactive, you know, pulse or something like that. So humanity necessarily was getting wiped out anyway through radiation, so it made no sense to me. How did did Godzilla all of a sudden turn from being... Um, an enemy to being a friendly, and someone that Ken Watanabe was willing to like lay his life down for. And his final words were something like, "My good friend." Look, that made no sense to me. <laughs> um, and then the 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 credit scenes after the movie ended, when they were showing the um, media headlines um, implying that wherever the monsters went, there was this regeneration of life, like. You know, rainforest, balloons in the Sahara. Whereas, if the monsters are all emitting radioactive rays and they're pretty much the same as, like, you know, Hiroshima, you know, uh, very many Hiroshima's or Chernobyl's going off, that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, so, I, by and large, I spent the movie taking my glasses off and rubbing my eyes and putting my glasses back on. And, and hoping for the end, because I was getting really, really hungry, and we hadn't had dinner. Um, <laughs> so, thanks again, Darren. I appreciate it.
0: No worries, Max. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, w- I, would, I would echo what everyone else has said, because I 100% agree that, like, none of the human motivations made sense in this film, Um Absolutely, I did not understand what any of the humans were doing. Like, none, the human that we were supposed to identify with the most, Carl Chandler's character, I, for whatever reason, I didn't, feel, I didn't feel engaged with this story to save his family. Like, I didn't really understand what he was doing. There was one scene where he runs out, and one of the characters asks him, ''What are you doing? You don't even know where your family is. ''Why are you leaving?'' And he turns around and says, "Well, I'm just leaving." Or he says something along the lines of, "Well, I don't really know where to look for them either, but I'm leaving." It's just like
1: he says, <laughs> "No, he no, says, they're all I've got." So it's
0: just like that—that's not a response to the question you were asked, buddy. Like, what the hell are you doing? Doctor Sarazawa Ken Watanabe's character. I had no idea why he thought that Godzilla was helping like I didn't understand his plan. I didn't understand his plan. It wasn't like he was actively communicating with Godzilla. He just was like, he's our friend. Yet nothing Godzilla has done has really suggested
1: he is a friend of humanity, right? Like I didn't understand like the only like Except in fairness. In fairness. Godzilla was the goody in the first Godzilla, he he comes out of the ocean to kill the two Mutos. Um, in but the but that first doesn't season. mean he's on the human so side. The yeah, head. yeah. No, is... no, no. He's on the. Pl- it's sort of on the planet side. <laughs> is he? Is <laughs> like, he no? Is he?
0: <laughs> he's cause he's a walking radioactive nuclear bomb. Like what?
1: Yeah. No, you guys, you, you've got you've got me. That that made absolutely no sense. Sorry, guys. I, I didn't. I, continue. I, I didn't understand. <laughs> like you know you know, this was the
0: weird thing about this film. The only people who I thought actually made sense were the military people, because you know, always <laughs> in the films, the military people are the crazy ones. And in this film, the military guys were like, "You know we really should find a way to destroy these monsters that are just like destroying our cities. I'm like, yeah. That makes sense you know that really makes sense so I could not sympathize with the heroes at all I didn't know what they were doing I didn't understand their motivations it was just this hectic mess and then look okay the one point that I do I'm not 100% agreeing with Gerald on is that I didn't really like the action in this film and I, I think it was because a lot of the action was filmed from the viewpoint of the people, so a lot of it was, like, really shaky cam, and, like, things just falling down, like, when I see a monster film, I want to see pan-out shot monsters fighting each other, right, like, punching each other in the face, like, electrocuting each other, like, giving themselves, giving each other the what for, right, and to be honest, I thought that the first, the 2014 Godzilla, 2014? I think it was 2014, the 2014 Godzilla film, even though the fight scenes were shorter and there weren't that many of the fight scenes, there weren't that many of them, I felt like when the fight scenes were there, I got a monster punch-up, right? Well, in this film, what I got instead were, like, these very atmospheric moments where, like, you see monsters shrouded in clouds, like, screaming at the sky or whatever it is, right? But I didn't really get the punch-up that I really wanted, right? Like, I felt that the Mudo fight with Godzilla was more satisfying, and, like, I still remember the way Godzilla finishes that fight with a Mudo, right? Where he, like, rips open the jaw and, like, breathes fire down its neck. I was like, that was a pretty, pretty cool fight. I I didn't really get the same thing with Ghidorah and Godzilla. They kind of just, like, shot beams at each other, and the way Godzilla destroys him at the end, is that Godzilla doesn't even do anything. He just, like, explodes as a nuclear bomb. Like, twice. And then, like, there's basically afterwards, it's implied that is dead, and, like, Godzilla's biting his head off. It it was just, like, that didn't feel satisfying to me as well, right? And finally, Max is right. Like, all of those human characters should be dead ten times over, because they keep going on and on about how Godzilla is like Chernobyl, yet Millie Bobby Grout is literally standing, like, Millie Bobby Bobby Brown has the world's thickest plot armour. Like, how did she survive that, right? Everyone around her is dead. Only these five, like, these three people that, like, we see are the sole survivors. Yet they're standing, like, what seems like 50 metres away from Godzilla, who is supposed to be, like, giving off Chernobyl levels of, like, radiation. And they're just, like, they're fine. This is just, like, such a bizarre, bizarre film. Anyway. It's pretty unacceptable. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> like that's that, that whole radiation thing it's a bit unacceptable don't you
3: think yeah it makes no sense it actually makes no sense it, particularly given that they keep talking about it but then they're there at the same time
0: but I, I think this it goes to Gerald's point where it trivialises the horror Because if you think about it, like, what's actually happening around the world is really horrific, right? There are these monsters that are radioactive that have just risen up and just running rampant through cities, killing people, whatever it is, right? And then the way the film deals with it is, like, it trivialises, it's like, "Ah, don't worry about it, right? Yeah, Mm. like, flowers are growing where the monsters walked. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, Boston got destroyed. You know the scene? The scene that really horrified me was actually, like, because I think a lot of the fight scenes before this scene were not in major cities. And then, because they had the Ila de Mar... Isla de Mar scene, I want to say and that's an island of 11,000 people and you see some of the people evacuating and all these people died there, which is horrible but then you see Washington DC which is a city with millions of people and it looks like it's the apocalypse right? (laughs) Because like, you you know the Capitol is flooded, it looks like basically fire and brimstone it looks like none of the buildings are around anymore. It just looks like it's under the sea. And, like, somehow people are not shocked by this. It's just like, oh, okay. I guess we'll come here and, like, fight the monsters. <laughs> 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 oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Anija, is there anything you want to add?
2: <laughs> no, I think I said it all. The monsters did a good job. The human stuff was just just unwatchable. And towards the end, I was messaging Gerald saying, I really don't care if this kid lives or dies. I just want to leave. Like, like, you didn't care about her because she had such thick plot armor and because her whole storyline was ridiculous. Like, how how was she able to operate that thing? Yes. Like, there's one person in the world who can operate it, her mother, like a genius scientist, and this, like, 15-year-old kid. Like, huh?
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> How did she not die when Ghidorah saw her and specifically targeting her? Right? Like, I'm
2: pretty sure a whole boulder fell on her while she was running, and she just kept running.
0: So. Do you know what was so dumb? Okay, like there's so many really dumb moments. There's a, you know, when Carl Chandler, like they're they're fighting the monster, and then they just agree to let Carl Chandler down onto the ground to find his daughter, even though they have no idea where she is. They literally have no idea where she is, right? But they're just like, okay, it's fine. It's like a monster invasion. You, you just go on the ground and look for your door. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And we'll send a team of soldiers with you as well. <laughs> that, that, that'll work. That'll work. And then it's like... He has this bright idea. She'll be at home! And the way this film works is basically... He says, she'll be at home. And it looks like home is literally a block from Fenway Park. It's so weird. It's so bizarre. It's like... On one level, they're trying to tell this story of this global calamity. Yet on this other level, like it's a really parochial film, as Gerald said, which is just about five or six people. And who cares about everyone else? It's ugh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I was I was hopeful for this film because um, I had I had read some reviews that were like, "It's okay. It's it's not it's not horrible," right? And I, I actually thought that this was a legitimate, horrible film, and I, I, I was, I was, I was disappointed because, like, in the same way I was disappointed with the Predator, because remember when we did the Predator? Like, I like the Predator franchise, I like it a lot, right? And to be honest, I like Godzilla as well, right? Like, I'm, I, I've actually seen the Japanese Godzilla films, right? Like, I remember when I was a kid, I go overseas to see my relatives and they would have pay TV and I'd spend the whole day at home and I'd watch Godzilla films back to back. Now, it could be nostalgia, and I'm not saying that those Japanese Godzilla films were good films by any stretch, but they knew what they were. They knew that they were B-action and that you needed to see monsters just legitimately fight each other, right? Like, punching each other. And, like, this film, I don't know what they thought they were trying to achieve here I, I just I didn't get it and then and then the acting also like Gerald's point around the acting I absolutely <laughs> agree with that like did Zhang like did you think Zhang Ziyi like I thought Zhang Ziyi was actively bad in this film right it, it,
1: it, it, I, I think she's acting bad in a lot of films she's in. Uh, I think I've got, to, I've got to say I think her career peaked with Crouching Tiger, Hidden *Dragon*, and it's been it's been a long, slow downhill ride right ever since. Uh, so I thought I thought I thought she sucked in this movie, and, um, uh, and and the casting of her in this movie was such a sop towards trying to cash in on Chinese audiences. It was every bit as black blatant. As the casting in Kong Skull Island of the Chinese woman in the Great Wall, it was oh. it was that bad. Yeah. Um, so, I you know I just thought that was that was pandering of the of the highest order, and um, it was pretty it was pretty transparent. Did you so, guys
0: Did you guys like Kong, Kong Skull Island?
3: Um, compared to this, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, Jerry, did you like Kong Skull Island? I loved it. Yeah, I, I agree. I really
1: enjoyed it, Jerry. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a I thought it, I thought it was quite a bit of fun. And the funny thing is this: like uh, at one point, um, well, at several points throughout the movie, references made to Skull Island and something coming alive at Skull Island. Yeah. Um, and I thought I thought I honestly thought King Kong was going to turn up and be part of the solution, uh, but he's just. And there's at one point a photograph on someone's computer of King Kong, but he's not there. And you're like, well, it's. It, it, why would you not? Why would he not play a role in this? Given the scale of the catastrophe with which we're confronted, it's kind of like when in uh, in uh, Thor two, the galaxy was at under threat of being completely annihilated, and none of the other Avengers showed up. Um, so I, yeah I just I just found that weird. I know I know they're trying to I know Warner brothers is trying to build a sort of monster cinematic universe can prize it, and the, the films in it have thus far included the first and second Godzilla, Kong Sky Island. I think what is it what what what's the, what's the title of the Dracula Begins movie? That was meant to be part of that cinematic universe as well. Dracula was Begins no,
0: no, that's a yeah, monsters universe. But the monsters and the, I think it's a different type of monster, right? I yeah, think they've maybe. got the they've got the big monsters, and then they have the like the the
1: old. No, you're right. You're yeah, right. Because yeah. there's a there's there's the there's the Dracula one, the Frankenstein one, and I think that's why they also sought to reboot the Mummy yeah, as part of um, as part of that. Horrible. That's like of, yeah. of, of of traditional sort of um, satellite matinee type uh, monster villains. Yeah, um, but. I think I think this has been, with the exception of Kong Skull Island, pretty catastrophic so far. These movie, I don't know I don't know what the take of the box office of this movie has been. Um, I doubt uh, it was enough to knock off either one of Avengers or John Wick Three or um, or Aladdin. Um, so this is just a this is just a bad idea all out, and I I honestly hope that. It flames out of the box office, and particularly in China, so that uh, so that we don't get subjected to another one of these. They've been pretty terrible so far. These movies. Yeah, it, it just
0: feels weird, right? Because I really enjoyed Kong Skull Island, and it's kind of like they clearly have people there who can make good films, but for whatever reason, like this, this, I don't, I don't, I don't understand, right? Like, how can you make? a film like Kong Skull Island which is a genuinely enjoyable film where you care about the human characters and you care about the monster and then go to this which is just this crazy like incoherent mess it,
1: can, I, can I just say I didn't really care about the human characters in Kong Skull Island either <laughs> but at least the film was set on an island and it was a confrontation between these humans and this big on an island and so you didn't have you didn't have in the background global catastrophe mm. Mm. what makes the godzilla films these two godzilla films so odd is that they are they are set in the massive catastrophes the first one whilst not as global in scale like people throughout the continental united states being wiped out and we only focus on about two or three people in that movie and we have the same problem here, but magnified. So we're talking about a global disaster. Um, we're talking, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about sort of Thanos levels of extinction in terms of you know the number of people who die in this movie, and it is and the and it is completely and utterly cavalier. Now, to be fair, the Avengers the last two Avengers movies, despite the scale of the catastrophe visited upon the universe, have also tended to focus only upon a handful, of, a handful of characters. So I get I get that the criticism might be, this criticism of Godzilla might sound a bit odd when seen in the context of the praise that's been lavished upon the Avengers films. But the, the fact of the matter is, the Avengers movies come off the back of an extended serialized um, piece of storytelling, which is which has gone on for a couple of decades, well for at least a decade, so that we get used to and come to know these characters. This movie, we only know a handful of we only we've only met these characters, most of these characters in this film. Ken Watanabe is a holdover from the last movie, but you know, um, but I doubt very many people. Would actually have a clear recollection of his character from the last film, and so the the intensity of the focus upon these particular individuals against the backdrop of global catastrophe seems odd because we just have no we have no pre existing relationship with them um, as an audience.
0: But but more than that, Jerry,
1: like the, I think the key difference is actually
0: in the Avengers, our main characters aren't cavalier about the level of destruction. They're not, right? Like, you see all these scenes with Captain America and Black Widow, like, actively depressed because of what has happened, and they feel responsible, and all this type of stuff, right? Like, it makes them endearing as characters, because they care. While in this film, none of these people seem to care, right? Like, no, no one seems to understand the level of devastation. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is one of the serious problems, right? Where you have this story about this one man's family but there is so much other stuff going on, yet no one else seems to care. No one else seems to care. It's crazy. Um, Yeah. Um, What what was I going to say? There was one final point I wanted to make, but probably isn't that important, because this is not that good of a film. (laughs) (laughs) The the only
3: one I wanted to make was Charles Dance, who plays... um, the eco-terrorist, he hasn't aged since The Golden Child. That's pretty much what I was thinking (laughs) when I was seeing him because he he played the same character that he did in The Golden Child as he did here, which is to stand around and look a little bit menacing and then to disappear.
2: So... That was, yeah. You know what's
3: really the point?
2: When I went to buy a ticket for this movie, I saw an ad for Aladdin to my left, and a part of me thought maybe I should go see Aladdin and just pretend I saw this movie. So <laughs> I really wish I had. <laughs>
0: Well, the one positive I got from this film was that if I thought the last episode of Game of Thrones, the writing was bad, the last season of Game of Thrones was bad, this, this was a completely other level and put everything into context for me. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, when I looked at, like, Ghidorah, King Ghidorah, like, he just reminded me of the Targaryen sigil. I don't know. I've clearly just yeah, still the hydra. The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: No, there is actually a shot in, um, the in which Monster Zero does carry um, Godzilla up above the clouds, and the movie and let him the go. movie goes a bit quiet for, for a second, and it's exact. It's very reminiscent of the shot in the Long Night in which um, uh, in which Drogon and um, Rhaegar. Fly yeah. above the clouds, and there's a moment of serenity in the in the in the battle for Winterfell, um, and that's 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 what I'm talking about when I say there were there were some odd moments of of impressive spectacle in the movie. Every so often, the filmmaker did I don't even know who made this movie because Frank, quite frankly, this filmmaker should be happy that we don't know his <laughs> name. Um, it, the director just gives us the odd wide shot. And it's actually quite impressive when, when there is a wide shot when you see the full panoply of what's going on. Um, not there, not there aren't enough of them, obviously. Um, but but when they when they happen, uh, they do they do stand out and they are occasionally quite quite breathtaking. It's just that they are so few and far between. Yeah. Um, and what what surrounds them is so cacophonous and pointless and meaningless yeah. that you know ultimately this movie for all its occasional moments of majesty just does not add up to a hill of beans
0: yeah was there a scene I remember there was a scene in this film that made me like there was a scene where one of I can't even remember which character it was but someone got up and shouted at King Ghidorah and it reminded me of the John Stowe like Miserio yeah, scene. Yeah. yeah. I was like are they reusing like CG from Game of Thrones and just repurposing <laughs> it for this film? Because
1: yeah. the kicker,
0: uh, of... yeah, I, I think that was that was that
1: was that was um, Madison. The dad the Millie Bobby Brown character. Was it Madison the or daughter. the Dad? I can't it was the remember. Dad. Oh was it the
0: Dad? I was well, like I have a recollection of the being Madison. No, it's the dad. No, it was the dad. <laughs> what was it? I can't uh... It does it it doesn't, honestly.
1: It doesn't <laughs> even
0: matter. <laughs> but, like, you know, Giro kind of looks like the Game of Thrones dragons, right? Like, I'm close, not like his entire body, right? but I'm close. I was like, are they reusing some of the CG there? But anyway. Yes. That was the only positive I could take out of this film, that it made me feel less bad about Game of Thrones, albeit briefly. Because <laughs> <laughs> there are depths that can be sunk to. <laughs> um...
1: Yeah. What what, no, no, what go happened in. was when they when they discovered Atlantis under the ocean, I was seriously hoping that Aquaman <laughs> turned up uh, because the, the sheer absurdity of Aquaman turning up in this movie would have been a vast improvement.
3: <laughs> that guy was actually the director for, for Aquaman.
0: No, no, James Wan was what? the director for Aquaman. Oh, no, 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 no. James
3: Wan. No, 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 J- like,
0: James Wan. Yeah, I did not direct this film. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I take
3: it back. I'm sorry, James Wan. I yeah. apologize.
0: Yeah. You should apologize to Jerry as well because he loves James Wan. Sorry, uh, Jer-
3: sorry <laughs> Jerry. Sorry, Jerry. <laughs> sorry. The Fast and Furious guy is—he's spot
1: on. He's amazing.
0: Well, um,
1: <laughs> a- actually, I have a—I have, have a much greater preference for Justin Lin than James Wan. James Wan only has. has Made one Fast and Furious movie. And even though it was number seven, it was just special because Paul Walker died during the making of it. So it's probably not in the top three of the Fast and Furious franchise. Okay. Okay. Well, on that note,
0: I would like to again apologise to everybody for making them see this film. It's. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Apology
2: accepted, Derek. Apology
0: accepted. <laughs> Every year, I think I have one film that I make this group see. Last year it was The (laughs) Predator. This year it's Godzilla, (laughs) and I regret it. I'm sorry. Um, I don't think we need to spend more time talking about this film. This was a crap film. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: Does
0: anyone want to add anything else?
2: We'll be back with a better film next time.
0: <laughs> yes, hopefully. I, I, I think the bar is very low, so I think it's very likely we'll be back with a better film next week. <laughs> okay. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Bye. Bye.
3: Ciao.